Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was something up there, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr, joined with Kama. Hi, I'm Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Guile. Hi, this is Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. And returning guest, Tina. Hi, I'm Tina, and I'm Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. Cool, thanks for joining us again. No problem. <laughs> We're continuing our read-through of Catelyn Stark's point of view chapters. We'll be going over her fourth chapter in A Game of Thrones in this episode. Spoiler warnings, as usual, for A Song of Ice and Fire and possibly the show. I uh, have a little setup for this chapter. The royal party headed to King's Landing was delayed over a traumatic fight that Joffrey instigated, which resulted in Arya running off for three days, direwolf Nymeria disappearing, and direwolf Lady being put to death in her place. According to a fan-made A Song of Ice and Fire timeline that I looked up, Cat arrives in King's Landing about four days ahead of them, and this chapter starts just as the ship arrives. Catelyn and Sir Roderick are close to King's Landing, having sailed on a swift Tyroshi galley. Catelyn holds the Valyrian dagger that was intended to end Bran's life, her hands still tender from the injuries where she grabbed its blade. She hopes to speak with the king's master-at-arms when they arrive, and she hopes that she can trust that man. Roderick cautions her that there will be those at court who will recognize her on sight. Their talk turns to Littlefinger and how a 15-year-old Peter Baelish had challenged her 20-year-old Brandon Stark for her hand and lost. Peter's life was only spared because of Catelyn's request, and he was sent away for after the duel. He had sent a letter when Brandon died, one she never read, and burned. She had known by then that Ned would marry her in her brother's place. Littlefinger now sits on the small council. Catelyn tells Roderick she knows, she knew he'd climb high. Um, Anybody want to discuss what you think the letter she never opened might have said? I mean, I think, I mean, at this point, Peter thinks that she came to him after the duel and had sex with him though right so it was probably all about like how he still can't you know, he can't forget that night forgot so it's probably just like horrifying <laughs> yeah it's definitely a love letter i'm thinking yeah. it's like it's like hurt you know nerd boy 1980s bad molly ringwald movie kind of hurt you know i don't know i I have no sympathy for this man. None. <laughs> like, why didn't you love me? And I would have given you everything. And I'm going to get you and all of your kids and your kids' dogs, too. Or what? It's going to be something. <laughs> like that. I think, like, you know, 15 or 16-year-old Peter probably was like, well, you know, maybe I've got a chance now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that probably encouraged him that she, you know, pled his case. Uh, you know, I, I remember the first read through. Now I don't feel as sorry for him, but I think I'm influenced by show and by knowing what I know later in the books. But I remember the first read through. I was kind of like, oh, I felt a little bit sorry for him. 
I did too. And then well, yeah, you find because... out what he did with his life. And no, I don't feel <laughs> Your choices. Like, up. We all had a sucky high school experience. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he was shorter than uh, Catelyn. I thought that was cool. <laughs> I always <laughs> I think that. of Catelyn as being kind and of he's... tall, though. Yeah, yeah. In the show, she's, she wasn't, but and... yeah. <laughs> he's a hell of a lot younger than I even remembered him being. He's just shy of 30. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's younger than Jamie, which is always weird. It's always weird. Like, Jamie's, you know, about, I think Jamie's the same age as Kat. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. in our minds, yeah. he's, he's like a younger generation than her. Yeah. Well, it's, I think the show has a lot to do with that. Also, I think it's just a tendency. Like, I go, okay, this lady has five kids. In my mind, she's got to be in her 40s. No, she's not. She's much younger. Mm-hmm. You know? Michelle Fairley mm-hmm. is, um, I'm just looking up. So she's 52. So she is, you know, oh, she was like okay, six years, then. you know, six okay. years older than Nikolai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does Sean Bean? Was he also? He's older too, or no? I don't know if he <laughs> Thank was. Thank God for Google, right? I know. <laughs> so he's actually fifty-seven. He's, oh wow! Yeah. Oh, so wow. he's a bit older than I would have thought. Okay. So um, maybe... Just if you're wondering, Viggo Mortensen, fifty-eight. <laughs> wow! Oh my, this is so shocking. <laughs> All of the Lord of the Rings people now. His um, Sean Bean's former spouse is only thirty-eight, though. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just for the record well we also we also that little bit we got the origin of you know it's not that exciting of the little finger name apparently Edmure had given him the name based on his small stature and the family's modest holdings um sure. on the smallest of the fingers which were what are those narrow peninsulas are they north of the the veil or i mean on the map I think that's what yeah. they told Catelyn. <laughs> yeah, that's according to Catelyn. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's hilarious. It's just, it's like, you know, I, Edmure seems perfectly petty enough <laughs> to nickname him Littlefinger for other reasons. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay, if nothing more about that little section, uh, the ship pulls well, in... Oh, I- did you want to... <laughs> Yeah, okay, I want to have a moment of silence for Sir Roderick's um, lack of beard hair now. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I had to have that shaved up. <laughs> he, and I, you know, I just picture him looking so strange. And we have the show, you know, we obviously have the show sideburns to sort of go by. but <laughs> Whatever the hell that was on the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Ooh, so weird to think that, you know, the actor who plays him on the show is, you know, the actor who plays Pod's father. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does not fit at all. He is Pod's father, right? The actor is the actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. actor is Pod's father. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of oh. cool. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, like, they ever, like, get up on Christmas morning and just do their hair like that. <laughs> I don't know why it has to be Christmas, but that does feel the most appropriate. <laughs> After this, I'm going to look up pictures again because I kind of forget how crazy that was because he's been gone for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the ship pulls into view of King's Landing. The city is vast and covers the shoreline as far as you can see. The Red Keep is described grandly, having seven drum towers crowned with iron ramparts, vaulted halls, covered bridges, barracks, granaries, and dungeons, all in red stone. Aegon the Conqueror had built it, and his son Magar the Cool took the heads of every stone mason, builder, and woodworker that worked on it after its completion. 
Only the blood of the dragon would ever know the secrets of the fortress the dragon lords had built, he had vowed. A little historical anecdote that Lot remembered and passed along. Um, there's a legend about Ivan the Terrible who had the architect of St. Basil's Cathedral in the Red Square of of uh, Moscow. He had his eyes gouged, gouged out upon its completion. And, you know, we know Martin loves drawing from historical references, and she couldn't help but, you know, see the parallels with this cathedral and the Red Keep. So it's kind of interesting. What the hell are wrong with people? <laughs> you know, I know. I mean, I understand they want to, hot, you know, bury those secrets so nobody else knows but I mean what if you have like you know some plumbing issues at 2 <laughs> o'clock in the morning you know all those secret passageways I mean, who's gonna... right what if one of the secret passageways the door kind of like gets shut to where you can't open it you need somebody to fix that and you've just killed them all <laughs> Such a douchey move. If there's any historical basis for this, or if this is just, you know, that horrible William Faulkner script for that god-awful movie, um, The Land of the Pharaohs. But I think, didn't the Egyptian pharaohs, some of them have their architects and builders killed too? Oh, I sort of rings a bell. I believe so. I mean, I'm I'm flashing back to that (laughs) god-awful Jack Hawkins, Joan Collins movie. No one knows these references. But it was like the same kind of deal where the pharaoh had the tomb built and killed all the architects. All I can think of now is like, you know... Wait, I thought like being an architect was actually a desirable field, like how George Costanza was. Or no, he was a marine biologist, but I think he was also a fake architect for a while. But then also, all I can think about is Mike Brady, and like, what a great plot that would have been for like one of the Brady Bunch like TV movies to have someone try to kill him. <laughs> yeah, it seems like something your generic uh, dust pot would do, you know. <laughs> Take everybody Apparently out. It is like this was just the thing to do. I'm sure, like whoever built the pyramid of Marine probably did the same thing. You know, and it, it sounds so vast. You can almost imagine. You know, there's stories of. I think I remember hearing stories about catacombs in Sicily, where and who knows if these are true or not. But like, we're like a fifth grade class or something. Walk down there, and they never come back. You know, it's like they, can't, they get lost, and there's no string to guide them home. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, people oh, yeah. just wandering around the Red Keep, you know, some little kid who's like, just, you know, like, Aria was running around the Red Keep just chasing that cat. Always bring trail mix to mark to mark yourself. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, but didn't the, the king have, like, a three-day feast for everybody before he, like, killed them all? Oh, well, that makes it better. <laughs> Fatten them up. Yeah, just, just oh, yeah. like, just a little bit. Not, <laughs> not by much. Though. Can you imagine reading George write a three-day feast? Because that... <laughs> Oh That's a very good point. <laughs> Joffrey's wedding was pretty crazy. He'd have like a thousand and one food dishes. Okay. Uh. Just literally, like, I'm picturing him in New Mexico with like one of those old fashioned recipe card holders, just like going through, <laughs> checking them off. You have handwritten ones with the little that like, you can flip through. Oh my god. That would be amazing. It would be. <laughs> he tried them all out too. <laughs> That's what's taking so long. There's a feast in winds. He's just making sure all the recipes are good. Oh, oh my that goodness. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, God, I hope it's Jamie and Brian's wedding feast, but okay. Um, okay. Well, honey chicken just isn't up to snuff yet. <laughs> okay. Roderick advises Catelyn against going directly to the Red Keep and suggests that he will find Sir Aaron and bring him to her. They decide to stay at an inn in Eel Alley that the captain has recommended. 
Catelyn naps after Roderick leaves and is awoken as the sun is setting by guards of the city watch, pounding at the door. They show her a ribbon with Littlefinger seal, a mockingbird in grey wax. She agrees to go with them and is escorted to a tower in the Red Keep where Peter is waiting for her. Catelyn demands to know why he was he has summoned her like a serving wench and how he knew she was in the city. He replies that Lord Varys' little birds told him of her visit and asks her why she is there. And here's a little reading of her response to that. A wife is allowed to yearn for her husband, and if a mother needs her daughters close, who can tell her no? Littlefinger laughed. Oh, very good, my lady, but please, don't expect me to believe that. I know you too well. What were the Tully words again? Her throat was dry. Family, duty, honor, she recited stiffly. He did know her too well. Family, duty, honor, he echoed, all of which required you to remain in Winterfell, where our hand left you. No, my lady, something has happened. This sudden trip of yours bespeaks a certain urgency. I beg of you, let me help. Old sweet friends should never hesitate to rely upon each other. Kill him, kill him now. (laughs) So, first of all, (laughs) are we just assuming that the inn that they're at is the one that um, Jamie and Cersei went to before he was brought to the king before he entered the king's guard oh like she was totally sleeping in that evil bed i'm sure <laughs> oh was it in the same alley oh my goodness that would be hilarious <laughs> i'm sure it is <laughs> that's awesome no one can prove me wrong <laughs> there's like little she'd still find a little yellow hairs all from the, the bed probably doesn't get cleaned a lot <laughs> and she should probably be matching it to the hair that oh, yeah. she found <laughs> Catlin's CSI. (laughs) There's like a trip advisor review in here somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. There probably is. (laughs) Discretion when necessary, but otherwise. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, what the deal is with the. It was a little thing, but Ribbon, like, what the hell? Like, why would he send a. I don't know. There's just some kind of token to make her know that it was him sending it. It's just a little weird. I think to get her to cooperate. to go along too yeah yeah and we get some you know we get a little background here um which i didn't go into but she you know she discusses how he looks and kind of you know kind of reminds her of her childhood takes her back and you know he's shorter than her like i said earlier and it's got really a little hard gray. to oh, go ahead oh no i was just saying got a little gray in the <laughs> what were you gonna say it's really hard to read the description of him and just not have it go to aiden gillen i mean because i think from a physical really? perspective that's what he looks like. He looks like a very close, um, yeah, yeah, it's a very close match to, to the description in the book. They did a great job, and they didn't know that Sansa was going to shoot up. But it's perfect that she's taller too. Yeah, yeah. But like Peter Baelish knows um, Caitlin so well that he like can look into like her mind after not seeing her for how many years, but she know. doesn't know the depths of his like evilness. Like I mean, she grew up with him. I don't get this. I mean, okay, yeah, you knew somebody when they were like, I don't know, let's say seven years, right? And yeah, they're formative years. But she got married. She's had five kids. I mean, people grow up, grow away. They change. She certainly has. He hasn't. I mean, he's just sort of. Well, he's, he's let that moment. He's let all of his frustrations fester, and he's been obsessed ever since. But, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, I'm discovering that right now, that people I thought I knew real well, you know, I went to kindergarten with, are nothing like the people 
you know, I grew up with. I, I, I find that I it's like you can't it really that... know someone that well. I mean, it's not like they're, he would have been what fostered when he was like seven or eight. Yeah. So but it's I, like a seven or eight time year time span. That's not actually that long. Considering everything that happened. Both have giant Lannister blind spots though. And that anyone <laughs> who successfully positions themselves as not a Lannister is going to have their trust. Like whether it's like the smart move on their part, you know, that that is kind of the way that they feel. And that anyone who's not a Lannister they're automatically siding with and they kind of do it again and again um, um, I, with, with bunches of different people. And it's just, they're so blind to that. I wasn't thinking so much of her reaction, which I find understandable. I'm thinking about him. He doesn't know her as well as he thinks he does. He can't. She's, I mean, she's been well, gone for a long time. She's gone longer than she, you know, he knew her. And she's had five children with somebody else. She's a mother. She's an adult. I'm surprised he didn't go to Winterfell. Which I think that would have made more sense. Unless he just, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, obviously the answer to all of these questions is that the plot requires the Starks <laughs> to be stupid. And they, you know, there's a ton of characters to introduce at Winterfell. So we get to say, you know, we save Varys and Littlefinger for now. But yeah, I mean, the Starks kind of come off as, you know, even Kat, who we see as being pretty political, kind of come off as really naive once they hit King's Landing. Okay. Well, th- Ian, you were going to say something? Well, I mean, whenever she's in King's Landing, this is totally out of her comfort zone. Yeah, it, it's funny because right? she comes across, like, even as they're describing you know, the decision process to get to King's Landing, she comes across as, like, very in charge, like, very, like, we're taking this really fast, Gally, we're doing all of this, we're staying here. You know, she's very, very decisive, and then, you know, kind of once she's there, she sort of slips back into a role where she's letting other people kind of take charge of it. Do, do you think she gives him a pass at all for because she assumes because he had feelings for her that that love sort of is a protection and, oh, he, you know, she would even consider that he would do something? Shiesty? I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, who has knows? She, has she ever been to King's Landing? Do we know? Yeah, because I think she, um, gosh, there was something in her initial description that made it sound like she had been to King's Landing before. And I don't know if it's just because she kind of knew the sites. So, like, she knew, oh, you know, yeah. what what was what. And, you know, she knew, like, the, the Street of the Sisters ran between yeah. um, the two hills and stuff. Unless it was yeah. just, like, you know, the descriptions they learn and... It sounded very specific, so it really did sound like she'd almost she'd had a specific there. boat ride, the similar thing, like riding into port, because she was very, very specific. Okay. Yeah. She was probably there for, for Robert's coronation, because she was already oh. married oh. to Ned at that point. Oh, okay. you know, that would make sense. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, would, yeah, but but Ned would have already had John at that. Well, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have he? Hmm. Well, I mean, but... Oh, I she was pregnant because she was pregnant when he left to right, left but they were war. gone for a while. Could she have had yeah, Rob? She... He brings John. They dump them with whoever's left at River Run. Go to the coronation and then go back. I mean, it's I, I, possible. It's we never hear about it, but it's no, you know, 
No reason that that didn't happen. I mean, the reason I asked was because initially it's like, okay, it's like me going on a, or, or any of us, you're going on a trip, you're making all the arrangements, and then you get there and you know nothing about where you are, you know, or understand the culture of where you are. I mean, that is possible. But if she's been there before, that's, we're back to she's not as smart as. <laughs> <laughs> well, even. It's not smart. It's, yeah. um,. She's overly She's trusting. more naive. And, yeah. and it's funny because, um, you know, I'm, I made one of my sisters watch. Actually, I can't remember if she was. I think she was reading the books. And I would periodically ask, you know, like, oh, what characters do you like? Who don't you like? And she really liked Littlefinger at first because she kind of <laughs> assumed he was going to be like a Snape-like character. Like, oh, that's he funny. was going to be yeah. secretly good. <laughs> and, you know, I just had like, and my, my nephew did the same thing. Like, he really liked he really liked Littlefinger too, and I kind of you know, had to hold everything back. I'm like, well, I'm not going to spoil that for you, but you're super yeah. wrong. <laughs> um. He is like, I mean, he's when you read him initially, he is coded to be like the sort of dweeby hero in a 1980s like rom com. Yeah, like the yeah. underdog type he's, character. Like he's ducky, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, you know, she's the desirable cheerleader or whatever, and the big bad jocks take her away. I mean, and I like those movies, too, but it's like later and then you realize it's like what would happen if Ducky, you know, sold girls into child slavery. (laughs) Little Ducky. John Hughes movie getting a little dark. Like, I realized, like, when you watch 16 Candles again and you realize, like, this is a horrible movie with, like, a lot of terrible things in it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it's even worse than that. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, man. I just, I was going to think of something that totally... (laughs) Just the image of him as Ducky. She totally blew it all out of my mind. I just picture him in, like, stupid suits and everything. Like, stupid hat. Like, the whole thing. Like, and her with the big dress with the shoulder. Yeah. That she made herself. <laughs> she ruined that really cute vintage pink dress. Yeah. Sorry. I'm still bitter about that. Yeah, oh, well, you were saying about the, the naivety, like, even leading up to this, when she's on the ship, you know, talking to Roderick, he's like, you can't just walk through King's Landing, you know, we need to, he kind of reeled her back in a little bit, you can't just go marching in there, you need to, let's find some place to stay, and I can bring, you know, Sir Aaron to you, so that, again, she just kind of, you know, I imagine with all of her emotions and things going on, she wants to get to them, you know, as it's soon as possible. funny, though, like, she yeah. barely thinks about her kid, I mean, not that, you know, I don't want to yeah. play that card, but I mean, she really is very, you know, she's very focused on the task here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that when I get upset. Like, I, I just want to charge in and get everything taken care mm-hmm. of, and I, I can't sleep, you know, you can't do anything until you get it done. Well, uh, Varys arrives as they're discussing those things, and Catelyn... She trusts Littlefinger only a little, and varies not at all. She vows to herself she will not let them see her grief over Bran. Catelyn is stunned when Varys asks after the dagger and demands to know what he's done with Sir Roderick. She assumes that something shysty happened there. Uh, Varys says that Roderick visited Sir Aaron Santagar in the armory, talked of the dagger, and is waiting safely back at the inn in Eel Alley. She shows the knife to Varys and Peter. They examine it, and Littlefinger throws the knife with a flourish across the room, declaring that it is his. 
and I'll read the final final part of the conversation here. Um, Yours, it made no sense. Peter had not been at Winterfell. Until the tourney on Prince Joffrey's name day, he said, crossing the room to wrench the dagger from the wood, I backed Sir Jamie in the jousting, along with half the court. Peter's sheepish grin made him look half a boy again. When Loras Tyrell unhorsed him, many of us became a trifle poorer. Sir Jamie lost a hundred golden dragons, the queen lost an emerald pendant, and I lost my knife. Her grace got the emerald back, but the winner kept the rest. Who, Catelyn demanded, her mouth dry with fear. Her fingers ached with remembered pain. The imp, said Littlefinger, as Lord Varys watched her face. Tyrion Lannister. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Right. And Catelyn would totally believe that, too. No. Because we know that Tyrion would... I don't think Tyrion would ever bet against his brother, Jamie because he loves Jamie at this point. I was wondering, what's up with this bet? Like, why is Jamie betting on himself? <laughs> and why is Cersei betting her yeah. pendant? Like, it's so weird. I love that like, <laughs> really? the story is that they why all would... bet on Jamie and then, like, Tyr- and then <laughs> Tyrion would give Cersei her emeralds back. <laughs> not he, he absolutely would keep jamie's money but i mean he would never give cersei or stuff they have That's so crazy. much money i'm like why do they just sit around for shits and giggles betting <laughs> but i mean this is a big spoiler right here though because we do find out later on that it was joffrey that actually paid off this dude to have yeah and gave him the dagger and everything so i guess it explains like, so much it explains why it, he must have gotten the dagger from, like, all the winnings from the bet. Well, but, and right. also why that assassin Since it was his name day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Tyrion says he never bets, you know, he never bets against Jamie. Like, he dismisses that, like, right out of hand to Cat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And later on, we'll see, you know, Jamie corroborate that story as well. So, and, you know, she and Cat, to her credit, it's like, oh, <laughs> They're both independently confirming the same story. Hmm. <laughs> At that point, though. So what do you? So one thing that struck me in this chapter was, what the hell is Varys doing? Like, presumably, when Cat took that galley, he knew. Like, he knew at that point. You know, there's little birds and you know, I'm sure there's yeah. little birds in White Harbor. Right. Just reporting in general on the comings and goings. So I mean, I think he's the source of, of knowing that she's coming to King's Landing. He's the source that the captain probably um, reported to when she arrived, etc. So, what is his reasoning for going to Littlefinger? Like, it feels like they're working together here. And they might be, but I can't figure, you know, I I don't understand their motivations. I I think I'm going back to what you were saying. It was like the story demanded it. Hmm. Because I don't think it makes a lot of sense to, like, I can't think of a reason why. Because we kn- we know, you know, from Varys' perspective, it's, like, kind of too early to do too much shit. So is he just, like, playing nice with Peter because he thinks, you know, Peter wants to, like, hook up with Kat? Like, what's... Or he's, <laughs> and he wants to watch? <laughs> maybe he's trying to figure out what Peter's... No, that's probably to? true, yeah. That's, mm. like, that's sort of, like, keep your enemies close, see what's going on, and I might be able well, to use this later. I don't you know. know. It's all I got. Or does Varys, I mean, here's the other thing I was thinking is, you know, in the show, we do get those scenes of Varys and Peter together and have them assessing each other, but we don't ever really see that in the book. So is Varys, like, completely in the dark about Peter's, you know, all of Peter's Peter's plots? Because I think he might be, like, I don't, you know, Varys, I don't know that he 
has any idea. Because I feel like when Ned is executed, I think Varys is genuinely surprised that that happens. So he like, I wonder, he's got to know that Peter's a player. He has to be aware that Peter has his own spy network. He has to be aware that Peter has plans. But maybe he just is not aware of the extent inter- of them. Yeah, does he just think it's cat and you know it's only cat related? Like he doesn't. Well, he's he's sure. Power. Peter has to be paying them well for them to stay under the radar of the you know the little birds. Yeah, because those those kids are like everywhere. So yeah. I, I mean, I have to assume that very doesn't knows say it enough. out loud to anyone. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, but I mean, he's got to know. He has to know that Peter has his own spy network. He has to. He has to know certain things. He has to know that Peter is a player. Well, yeah, he probably probably knew about Vardis Egan because you know that not not Vardis Egan. Sorry, Hugh of the Vale. I'm getting yeah, the guy up. who gets killed, the yeah. squire, right? Oh, yeah, okay. The one who kills uh, who was John Aaron's squire who died yeah. mysteriously in the tourney. Right? He, gets, he, draws the, he draws the mountain in the first round, and the mountain kills him. Because oh. that's part of the mystery in the book. Yeah. So, I mean, I just am left with, he knows enough to know that this guy is shady and something's going on, but he just doesn't quite have the extent so of it. So he's doing some cooperation, like, this is like intelligence gathering for Varys, then. I think so. Mm-hmm. And maybe not. He may not be sure of what Catelyn's doing there. So if he's there, he can kind of assess all of that too. He comes across as super creepy. Varies in and just then, like a, yeah, <laughs> he does he's had like girlish laughter and everything. <laughs> yeah, the girl, you know, yeah. I know I knock the show. I knock the show all the time. But here's a characterization where I'm much much happier with show Varys. I, yeah, I can see that, because it is a little over the top. The book is a little bit over the top. A little? <laughs> I think, too, we're seeing this, we're seeing Varys through Catelyn's eyes. It's the same way she saw Brienne, too. Uh, this is Catelyn's perception of Varys. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Cat's a little snobbish, too. So yeah. yeah. A little, like, any kind of otherness she's well, not really very comfortable with. And she spent the last, what, 15 or so years pretty much in the north where... Oh, manly men. <laughs> yeah. Like these mean, big right. rough... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I mean, her description of Varys is pretty creepy, though. Like, his hands... I know you don't like this word, comma. But it's okay, she, go for it. <laughs> he's got moist hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a well-chosen word. <sighs> yeah, she almost sort and of... he giggles like a girl. <laughs> You know, she gives his attributes with the little birds, like how much he knows, almost like it's sort of just like a supernatural, you know, yeah. insinuation mm-hmm. that he's using other forces to get his secrets. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we got any more. Anybody got anything else about that? That brings us to the end. If that's it for a that. weird <laughs> chapter, because um, it's this is one of those chapters that I think it's really hard to like just experience in a bubble like this because it makes no sense if it kind of makes no sense without knowing what's going to happen next and knowing what's going to happen next everything everything in this chapter is false like everything that happens is you know a lie basically so it's it's just it feels very like unsettled yeah and i had forgotten that it took so you know i forgot that it took so long for them to travel down 
two Kings Landing. I didn't realize yeah. she beat them by so many days. Um, oh, yeah. I wonder why Robert and his court don't just hop on a boat. Yeah, take a few boats if you need it. <laughs> well, or a fleet or whatever. But no, no, Cersei, oh, God, when they have those descriptions of that, that uh, wheelhouse that they travel in, it sounds like utter hell. I mean, wouldn't you rather be on a ship and down there in half the time? <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun trip. And, of course, you know, a recipe for disaster with that crew that was going along with them. <laughs> uh, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, well, do we have any mail this week? Did we have one? We do. We have two emails. Okay. Um, The first... Um, says hi ladies first of all i love your freaking show it's my dose of extremely cathartic feminine uh, game of thrones humor each week and i really look forward to every episode i haven't listened to this week's yet because i really want to savor what i'm sure will be one nice thing about this less than pleasant week and i've been uh really i've been really busy getting outraged about things on twitter today That being said, my point in writing you tonight is somewhat ridiculous, but I feel you will be sympathetic. I've been a mess all day about our national horror show of an election and stressing about a job interview in the morning. So naturally, I'm up at midnight reading spoiler reports about season seven to distract myself. (laughs) Suddenly, I'm struck by an awful thought while considering this big battle sequence they're getting ready to film in Spain where everyone and their bastard brother is supposed to be. What if the evil, sadistic producers of this show give book readers a nod with a major character dying during a uh, chivalrous battlefield death, a la Damon Blackfire after defending the defeated Gawain Corpre at the Battle of Redgrass Field? Only it's Jamie doing something stupid and honorable to save Brienne or someone else, and he dies in her arms before they get to bone, and everything, this is in caps, is ruined forever. You know, they probably want his arc to end with him dying <laughs> dying with or killing Carol, because that dynamic is all they seem to care about. But what if? I feel like they're going to knock off at least a few major characters this season, and I have an awful feeling Jamie is going to be one of them. And I swear if he and Brienne don't get it on at least once before he goes, I'm going to take it as a personal victimization by D&D. <laughs> I know that in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, this might not be the biggest thing I have to worry about as a woman in Trump's America. But still, please just tell me it will all be okay. Much, to, much obliged and keep up the great work. And that's from Maeve. Oh, thanks, Maeve. Well, 2016 oh, Maeve. has been horrible, so I can't say that I wouldn't like that would be one more extension because it was filmed in 2016, but I really... Oh. I mean, I... hope, I, I hope they get I, the bone. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't think Jamie's going to live. I mean, I think... I sort of feel like he's going to live it through season seven just because the leaks have yeah. kind of yeah. not said anything otherwise. And I also think... In general, it seems like most of the main cast, as it exists now, is is living through season seven, even if it's totally stupid that they're still alive. Cersei. Yeah, um, so, yeah I think they're all. But alive. I mean, I think you know. I mean, I don't expect Jamie to live. I mean, I kind of expect him to live through wins, but I certain I don't expect him to you know live through a dream of spring. I mean, let's, of course, I, I don't expect either of those books to be written, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> we are always so positive towards our poor readers or watch or listeners. <laughs> well, you know, my theory is either it's never going to be written or tomorrow George is going to write something on not a blog about it being done. Like it's one of the two. Yeah, maybe. Well. Um, we have one other email. Hi, ladies. I have been enjoying the podcast. Uh, found it through Radio Westeros, though I've only listened to the chapter discussions because I'm an inveterate book fan. Though I do watch the show and like it, I've listened to the book six times through. Actually, or anyway, I've been enjoying the cat chapter rereads, and those along with Radio Westeros' recent episode on Ned really made me think about, this is all in caps, how the fuck it never occurred to Catelyn that Jon Snow might be Lyanna's son. There's a lot of exclamation points in there. (laughs) So strange to me that this savvy woman who likely knew full well at least a part of the cause of the rebellion was that Rhaegar had supposedly kidnapped and raped Lyanna would never have even thought that Jon might be Lyanna's child, especially as she came to know Ned better throughout their marriage. Even Robert never seems to have thought like, gee, my super buttoned down friend who's all about honor suddenly has a baby. Hmm? No one even questions Leanna's death at all, like what she died of or anything. In this respect, I have to give Ned's props on a total media blackout of the circumstances <laughs> and the tower of joy. But Jesus crackers, it's fucking weird. There are a million questions I would love to ask George R.R. R. Martin if I ever get a chance to meet him, but this one has moved to the front of my brain. <laughs> love the show. Love the rereads. I especially love the Cersei chapters because we've essentially just elected her to be the president of the United States. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Sasha. Um, it's She's Sashi Be Good on Tumblr. I think anyway. I don't really know how to use it, and Twitter barely know how to use it. Yeah, maybe, a little political there, but maybe maybe Ned gouged everybody's eyes out in the tower. <laughs> that was his well, I mean, you know, he if this is isn't this the like the the victors write history, so it's him yeah. and Howland, you know, Howland Reed. They're the only ones that know, so they could tell any story that they want to. Oh yeah, because there weren't in the and, didn't, didn't they have somebody yeah. extra in the show, like a woman or something, helping her out? Yeah, but I guess in the but books, and, it wasn't. you know, as straight laced. As straight-laced as Ned is, I also think Robert would be inclined to not expect him to lie about anything. Right. So if Ned tells him this is what happened, you know, this is what happened. I wonder if it's Howlin' Reed who's, like, the media mastermind. Maybe. Like, Ned just stands there looking stalwart, and Howlin' Reed is, like, a total spin master. Comes up with all this, you know, that's kind of shocking. He's sitting there, oh, we got to think of this, and do this, and here's what you do. you know, it's certainly possible that Ned, like, you know, Ned might have very well slept around during the war, you know, when he was with Robert. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any any necessity to believe that, you know, Ned only had sex with Kat his whole life. Like, he could very well have been, like, whoring around a little bit with Robert during the war. Or before the war or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, I don't think Ned has to be some virginal, you know, goody two-shoes, even though he probably is. (laughs) Well, I think it's entirely realistic that he had, he certainly would have had sex before marriage. I, I love that this is our discussion. Was Ned a virgin when he married Kat? <laughs> I don't think so. He was young once. Robert's his best friend. 
Oh, you can't Robert you would have, like, him pushing it like off. bought hookers into his room and stuff, like, all the time, right? <laughs> like, dude, I'm just trying to get some sleep. No, Ned, she's hot. Go for it. <laughs> I feel like Robert would have made it his personal, like, mission, mission? to make sure Ned got laid. <laughs> yeah, I, I can yeah. see the soulful conversations. Like, how, yeah. Okay, now I'm... No, we can't do this. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> you turned it into Ned Bird. Oh, head, oh no, oh no, Ned Bird. No. Here we go, young Ned, not young Ned Bird. <laughs> no, the the early chronicles. Me, you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? I'm sure there were a lot of people that ended up married that experimented in their youth. So, you know, in that society. <laughs> so, <laughs> it could have very well. Well, thanks for the mail. We really appreciate it. There's some good questions in there. And, uh, yeah, I think we're all kind of feeling a little rough after this week, too. So I, I definitely feel you there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you can reach us at closethedoorend at gmail.com, on Tumblr at closethedoorandcomehere at tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at doorpodcast. Please like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Google Music, wherever you listen. And please support us on Patreon at Close the Door to get episodes early. Thank you, everyone. And uh, thank you, Tina, for guesting with us again. Yeah, thanks. I love Peter Baelish, so I like talking about him. (laughs) Cool, cool. You gotta love to hate him, you know? (laughs) You know, we've got a few, like, regular guests now that that are Littlefinger fans, so this is good. Yeah, yeah. I love that everybody sort of, you know, you can find out everybody's a little niche, you know, who they like and little, you know. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to close the door. Get out. <laughs>